Welcome to Mysteries and Mimosas. My name is Max Sterling. I'm here with my co-host and your wife. I'm kidding. My wife, your co-host, Aria. Hi, everyone. I like to mix things up, try to keep you on your toes. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah. I don't know. You caught it, though. Well, yeah. You, like, cringed <laughs> right away, like, oh. Yeah, like, I'm, that's wrong. I'm not their wife. Nope. Okay. <laughs> you know, it probably, to some people, probably feels like you are, though. Why? I don't know. I don't, like, nag anybody on here. Well, that's, that's what you're what trying you to say. You well, don't nag me. I know, but, like, I just thought you were setting me up for... Something. A joke? Yeah, like something. No, actually, sometimes I just like to be nice. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that was me being nice. But how was well, that nice? for ruining it, I'm by confused the way. by the whole thing. You know what? I'm over it. Just let's okay, go. let's what do move you got? on. Yeah, now, now I'm going to be mean to you the whole time. No. I'm kidding. Go ahead. All right, so today's Mystery Monday is the case of Matthew J. Broncho. On March 20th, 2019, 34-year-old Matthew spoke with his mother, Cinder, about his intent to resign from his position at the Shoshone-Bannock Tribes Commodity Program. Matthew told his mother he wasn't satisfied with his position there. I did find conflicting information, though, that said Matthew was actually terminated from his employment on March 18th. Oh, wait, when did he tell his mom? On March 20th is when he reportedly had this conversation with his mom. I wonder if he got terminated and he didn't want anybody to know, and then he's like, I think I'm going to resign. That could very well be. That makes sense. You know, you don't want to disappoint your family or something. Sure, yeah. So whatever happened, he was either thinking about leaving his employment or he had already been terminated. Yeah, sometimes when I buy stuff that you don't want me to buy, I'll hide it for a couple days and I'll be like, I think I might buy this. To see my reaction. And then I just like, oh, too late. I already did. Yeah. I'm kidding. I don't actually buy anything. Yeah. Out of the two of us, I'm the most frugal. That's true. That's an accurate statement. I spend money on important things. I mean, I don't know that I would agree with that always either. You spend money on like electronics that we don't need. Important things. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, sorry. (laughs) Okay. Go ahead. So Matthew had a bachelor's degree in political science from Idaho State University, and he told Cinder of his plans to continue his education and obtain his master's degree. Matthew was close to his mother, and he was actually living with her on the Fort Hall Reservation in Idaho after a breakup with his girlfriend in 2018. Matthew told Cinder he was heading into town that day to run some errands. Matthew picked up his dachshund, Asa, and they walked out the door. Interesting. Okay. As evening approached, Cinder began to worry as she thought Matthew should be home by that time. Matthew very rarely stayed away from home overnight. As Cinder became more worried at Matthew's absence, she tracked his cell phone and found it was located in a small town of less than 200 people, about 95 miles south of Fort Hall, across the state line. Matthew's phone was showing in the town of Snowville, Utah. Cinder said this was strange as Matthew hadn't ever spoken to her about Utah or anyone he knew there. Yeah, so it's like 90 miles south, you said? Yeah, 95 miles south of Fort Hall. And he had told her he was just running into town to run some errands. So she definitely wasn't expecting him to leave the state or to drive almost 100 miles south. It's kind of unexpected. Yeah. So Cinder kept an eye on the phone's location for the next day, and it never moved. On March 22nd, Cinder called Matthew's dad, Jimmy, to see if he had heard from Matthew. Jimmy said he hadn't. 
uh, Jimmy became worried immediately and began calling area hospitals and law enforcement agencies. Yeah, that's pretty smart. Mm -hmm. Actually, that's probably a very good move on his part just to see if maybe he's in a crash or something. Right. I mean, because it seems from the reactions of Cinder and Jimmy that Matthew, it was uncharacteristic for him to just leave and not tell anyone where he was going. That evening, Cinder and her sister drove to Snowville where they found Matthew's 2011 Toyota Tacoma parked on the side of exit ramp 7 along Interstate 84. Witnesses reported seeing Matthew's truck parked there on March 21st. They said they saw Matthew outside of the truck walking Asa. Cinder had a spare key to Matthew's truck, so she unlocked it and observed that Matthew's phone and wallet were located in the center console of the truck. Matthew's driver's license, tribal identification, and bank cards were still in his wallet. It's been reported that Matthew withdrew the last $250 from his bank account the day before he disappeared, but nothing in my research shows that that cash was still in his wallet or his truck when it was found. Okay, so that's weird that he emptied out his bank account, but can you just real quick give us a short little timeline? Sure. So it's reported that on March 18th, he was terminated from his employment. Right. On March 19th, he withdrew the last $250 from his bank account. Okay. On March 20th, he has this conversation with his mom and then tells her he's going to go run some errands, takes his dog and leaves. And then on March 21st, some witnesses say they saw his truck parked on that exit ramp in Utah and he was out walking his dog. Okay, so... And then on March 22nd is when his mom drives down to where she pinged his phone or saw the location of his cell phone and found his truck. There was a pizza box and some Monster Energy drinks that were also in the truck. Cinder then drove Matthew's truck into the town of Snowville where she got fuel for it. And then she passed out photos of Matthew and Asa at the diner, hotel, and gas stations in the town none of the individuals that uh, Cinder spoke with recognized Matthew or Asa or remembered seeing them at all. Because Snowville is located in Box Elder County, that's where Cinder filed the first missing persons report. Okay, so it's been a couple days before, I mean, since he leaves until the missing person report is filed. So they're already kind of behind the gun on doing anything. Yeah, and... Law enforcement. Right, um... So witnesses said they saw his truck, you know, where it's where it was found, parked on March 21st, and he was out walking his dog at that time. So, so it was only a short time, like within a 24-hour period from when he left his house to when witnesses say they saw him parked along the side of the interstate. Okay. So, so Cinder then made the journey back home to Fort Hall. She brought... Matthew's truck. She drove Matthew's truck back home to Fort Hall, hoping the entire time that Matthew would be there when she returned. Unfortunately, Matthew was not at home when Cinder arrived. The next morning, Cinder filed a missing persons report with the Fort Hall Tribal Police Department. So she had already filed a missing persons report in Utah, where she found his truck. Now she's reporting to the Tribal Police where he went missing from. Yeah, so she's really getting worried. Exactly. Cinder, Jimmy, and other family members then drove back to Snowville to search. They searched the mountains and sagebrush in the area, but to no avail. 
Cinder reported it was snowing, wet, and very cold in the area at the time. The family returned to the area daily for the next two weeks looking for anything that might lead them to Matthew. Six days after Matthew's disappearance, a passerby found Asa about two miles west of Matthew's truck. She was alive and unharmed. At this time, Cinder followed up with the Box Elder Sheriff's Office, who then launched a search and rescue effort. The Sheriff's Office, along with the Shoshone Bannock Fish and Game Department, utilized drones and searched on horseback, but were not able to find any sign of Matthew or what may have happened to him. Man, that's crazy. And so his dog is just out there. For six days. For six days. And he's nowhere to be found? No, and it's two miles. So the dog's found two miles west of where his truck was found. I just, I mean, that's just interesting to me that the family and everyone was out there searching for all those days and they never came across his dog. And it was March and reportedly very cold and snowing and and stuff in that area. I bet. That's kind of crazy that the dog was just out there with no food, no shelter for six days and and nobody saw it. I mean, it's not uncommon for a big dog, right? But I mean, a little dachshund. I know, it's just a little dachshund. I know. That's... That's what's strange to me, but I mean, you hear the stories about dogs, they go missing and then like a year later they find their owner or whatever. I mean, it's, it's, it's happened before. So I guess six days, but to be out in those elements for six days, a small dog like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. I can't imagine that he would abandon. I mean, if he's running off or something, you know, yeah. like if he took the, the, I don't know. I think that the withdrawal of cash from his bank account indicates that he's more wanting to run away from something versus like a suicide depression, you know, yeah. thing where he's going to take his own life. Cause what, what purpose do you have to take money out if you're just going to end your life? Right. So also though, like if you are planning on just leaving though, why not just, why wouldn't he just leave his dog at his mom's house? Why did he take his dog with him? If he was planning on just leaving her out in the elements on the, I just can't imagine him just abandoning her on the side of the highway. If he ran off. Well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, people do crazy things, but I, you know, a bunch of different reasons. If he ran off and had this dog, maybe he quickly realized like, Oh, I only have $250. I, I'm not going to be able to care for this dog and lets it go, you know, as a afterthought from leaving moms. Um, or maybe the dog ran off when he was sleeping. Oh, if he maybe. was maybe transient or something for a minute, like he's, you know, camping, you know what I mean? I mean he's camping or yeah. something away from his truck and then the dog maybe. leaves I guess. in the middle of the night. Or maybe he got disoriented and just got separated from the dog. I don't know. I know. I just, I guess I just can't imagine. Like, even if I had like $10, I'd be like, I'll figure something out. I'm not going to leave. I wouldn't leave my dog on the side of the interstate. And I can't imagine anybody that loves their dog enough to take them with them would do that. No, I, we actually literally have a backpack carrier for our dog, Mm -hmm. little Frenchie. Yeah. And her name is Fiona and she rides the backpack everywhere. So yeah, that's, that would be me. Mm-hmm. Probably, you know, if I was on hard times and I decided to leave you and run away, I would, it would just be me and <laughs> Fiona in the Fiona. backpack. Yeah. Aww. Yeah, I would be eating snacks, you know, feeding her one over my shoulder. <laughs> Probably growing out my rat tail again. Oh my gosh. No, I'm kidding. Okay, moving on. I don't know. It's just, it's really strange. But unfortunately, due to staffing shortages and changes within the department, Matthew's case has been passed through three different detectives. 
And sadly, Matthew joins the list of six other unsolved missing or murdered persons from the Fort Hall reservation. Yeah, you know, they, there is that big movement, if you're not aware. I'm, I mean, I know you are, but mm-hmm. if, if a listener is not aware of the movement of the indigenous people that don't, I mean, there's a ton of unsolved missing persons, human trafficking that goes on in tribal there's a, land. There's a disproportionate number of missing and indigenous, uh, indigenous people for sure. Um, and I, I don't know what the, I don't, I don't know if it's a resource issue on the reservations or, or what, but yeah, there's, there's definitely a disproportionate number of indigenous people missing and murdered that are unsolved cases. Part of the reason so many of those cases go unsolved is because you know, if you're working as a police officer, it's not like you could just go onto a tribal land and start enforcing your laws on tribal land. They have their own rules, their own laws. Mm-hmm. They answer to the tribal police, the Bureau of Indian Affairs. And sometimes, you know, law enforcement and, you know, Bureau of Indian Affairs and the tribal police, they don't always, they're not always on the same page. And so maybe it's a lack of resources for those particular cases where they don't get solved. Maybe there's, you know, a delay in reporting, a breakdown of communication between indigenous people and law enforcement. I don't know what the case is, but there is definitely a huge disproportionate solve rate with these cases. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I, you know, I want to try to bring or shed light on on some of those cases um, like this one. I mean, I don't know what happened to Matthew, obviously. His truck was found in another state, so I don't know if what happened to him, you know, was even on tribal land or had anything to do with that. Um, but you know, I I just I want to shed light on those cases as much as possible because it's it is really sad. Matthew's family reports that it's uncharacteristic of him to leave without letting someone know where he's going. They said he wouldn't abandon his dog, whom he loved. However, authorities think Matthew may be living a transient lifestyle, possibly on another reservation outside of his own tribe. So I don't know why authorities think that. Yeah, I don't know. I'm sure that they have a good reason to, though. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, you know, as well as I do that in these types of cases, the police always have information that they're not willing to share publicly with everybody. So maybe some of that information is pointing them in that direction. I don't know. Yeah, it could be. Matthew was 34 years old when he disappeared, but would be 39 today. His date of birth is November 13th of 1984. He is a Native American male with black hair and brown eyes. Matthew is 5 feet, 10 inches tall, and weighs 195 pounds. Matthew was wearing a gray Nike pullover sweatshirt, blue jeans, black Under Armour sneakers, a black Raiders baseball cap, and gold-rimmed Ray-Ban aviator sunglasses. He may have been suffering from depression at the time of his disappearance. If you have any information at all about Matthew J. Broncho, please call the Fort Hall Police Department at 208-238-4000 or the Box Elder County Sheriff's Office at 435-734-3800. Just real quick before we move on, and save those numbers for the end too, but... Before we move on, what type of search did they do of that area? Did... On foot, horseback, and drone. Yeah, the the drone search is pretty cool. Um, you know, I had a, a search and rescue person help me with um, trying to find somebody with a drone. I've actually seen it successful and seen it not successful. 
the drone, essentially the way they do it, the drone goes up and I don't know, I don't know what distance I'm not a drone operator, but I do know that the camera angle is 90 degrees facing completely straight down to the earth and it does a grid pattern and it takes pictures overlap overlapping pictures in the grid pattern. So some of them overlap three or four times in this grid pattern and they can, you know, make the grid pattern bigger or smaller depending on the surface area that they want to search. But what happens is all those photos get uploaded to a program and that program makes a map of the area and maps out the terrain, elevation, everything. Then with that program, he's able to go in and basically insert a, say, say the person was last seen wearing blue. He's able to go in and insert the color blue into the search area and it'll find everything in that map that's blue. That's really cool. It is cool. In the one case that I saw, it, you know, this was interesting. So in the one case where they found the person that I saw them doing the, the drone, the person was, it was a homicide and she was, I guess, dumped off the side of the highway. And before the drone went up to search for her, they they knew that her essential whereabout, I guess, because of the phone pings. So the deputies and the police officers and search and rescue, they were all out there searching and they were super close, but they just, I mean, they could have walked over her and they wouldn't have seen her. Mm. Well, when the drone went up, they thought she was wearing a pink, um, windbreaker and she wasn't when she was found, but they put pink in the search criteria and they found, um, she was wearing Nike shoes with the pink swoosh. Oh, wow. So it picked that. It picked that up, up, that little tiny piece from way up in the air. That's crazy. And that's how they were able to track her down. And she was kind of like stuffed under like a boulder. Oh. So, her, you know, she was barely popping out. And so, you know, the, the person he was looking for for me, you know, we don't know if he's alive or dead, but it had been over a year since last contact with this person Mm -hmm. and so he would obviously be decomp if he was dead which he would be the color of the sand or color of the dirt or anything like that you know the surroundings he would blend in very well Mm -hmm. so in that scenario entering a color probably doesn't work so I think the drone is great for early on searches not to get too far off topic that's kind of how the drone searches work I think they're super cool yeah that's interesting I'm Unfortunately, they didn't find anything in this case. Yet. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, the drone's not going to find him if he's out living a transient lifestyle on another. That's you true. Know. Which, I mean, I hope I hope he is out there and he's alive and well. But for his family's sake, I you know, I, I just wish they had answers. For sure. hundred percent. So real quick, give us that number again before we wrap this up. Yeah. So there's two numbers. You can call the Fort Hall Police Department at 208 208- Two three eight four thousand, or the Box Elder County Sheriff's Office at four three five seven three four thirty eight hundred. So Box Elder is in Utah. Fort Hall is in Idaho. Correct. Okay, thank you for that wonderful Mystery Monday episode. Yeah, I really appreciate that. You're welcome. So today I I woke up. I went and got a massage. You yeah. took me to the Penny Arcade so I can act like a child and play arcade games. Mm-hmm. And then. You put this whole thing together. I'm proud of you. Thanks. Yeah. I have nothing negative to say. Well, you shouldn't. No, no, I never do, really. (laughs) No. If I do, it's always a joke. But, I mean, in this particular case, I've got nothing negative. But you you bought me lunch today. That was nice. 
yeah, got to feed you. Got to keep you happy. Got to keep you around. <laughs> so, all right. Well, with that, this episode is done, son. Oh, man. You just can't resist. I can't resist. It's all because right. I'm that cool. So, with that, signing off. Thank you for listening. Please join us at Instagram. You can follow us on Instagram at Mysteries and Mimosas Podcast. Drop us a line on our website, mysteriesandmimosas.net. And don't forget to check out Dragon Glassware. That's the exclusive glassware we drink our mimosas out of when we do these episodes. We try to post pictures of those so you can see how awesome they are. And you can get a set by following the link on our website and you'll get a 10% promo code discount. Yeah, they're awesome. So with that, signing off. Thanks a lot for listening. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.